Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. All right, time for the commander's defense and what it can do against the Seahawks offense. Of course, we'll be talking about all of it after the game and see how, how it went. Here's the preview. That'll be the uh, the post view, if you will, on YouTube, probably around nine o'clock ish, uh, about 90 minutes after the game ends. Be a late one on Sunday with the 425 kickoff, but we'll be on YouTube for the Instant Reaction Show. Of course, that pod will also be in your audio feeds Monday morning. But uh, if you subscribe right now, especially if you're watching this right now on 106.7 The Fan's YouTube page, the subscribe button its literally right there. Just go ahead and click it. Uh, you know, you get a little alert saying that we're live and uh, you can come watch us uh, when we record that slash live stream it on Sunday night. But uh, the, the commander's defense, uh, I think this is going to be a fun week for them in terms of a challenge. Like you've got a, a high variance type of offense. Uh, before we started recording this slogan, I was watching uh, our guy Colt McCoy's show mm. Scheme. Yep. Shane Waldron does a phenomenal job as the OC. They they give Geno a lot of information pre-snap. They use a lot of motion. They've got some funky formations. What do you like about this offense when you see it on tape? And how do you think the commanders match up with it? Yeah, I mean, I think it falls in the, uh, you know, obviously Shane Waldron is a guy that is very much a part of the Shanahan tree. He comes from by way of Sean McVay. And so there's a lot of crossover there, like their keeper game, their boot game is very strong. They run the outside zone very well. They utilize utilize play action quite a bit. And I think they do a really good job finding explosive plays. I think, I don't remember the exact statistic, but they are, I think they're eighth in explosive passes their 10th in explosive runs in the nfl and they don't have a lot of play volume which is another reason like so they're 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 even though they're 10th or they're eighth excuse me in explosive passes their percentage is much much higher and mm-hmm. i think the thing that sticks out to me is like they do a lot of good stuff and they find these explosive plays and they find these explosive opportunities but they're a disaster on third down. I think they're the 30 or the 29th team in the NFL on terms of third down percentage. They're like 31.7%, something crazy like that. So they do it unless they get an explosive play, the offense kind of withers. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think Shane and the, the offense there, they do a great job of finding ways to get their explosive playmakers touches. And it's, there's a lot of them, man. DK, obviously, I'm a little surprised at how they're utilizing them at the moment. They're kind of very vertical based route tree. A couple of years ago, he was having a lot of success kind of with crossing routes, kind of that mid, mid to deep level crosser where you're like in that 15 yard range where you catch the ball moving and you just take it for touchdowns. Not so much of that anymore. Uh, Tyler Lockett is, to me, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the first-round pick out of Ohio State. And 
you see his smoothness, his athleticism. Jake Bobo is a guy they undrafted free agent out of UCLA who's been very productive them for them at points this year. So they they have these explosive playmakers. Then they have the running backs too are outstanding football players. Uh, Walker Walker the third, awesome. Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Um, the tight end Noah Fant is a four. I think he's a four-four guy coming out of Iowa. So they yep. have all these explosive playmakers at at every position, and um, they they do a good job of getting them the football. And those guys do great stuff after the catch. And that gives me probably the biggest level of consternation is I don't really give a damn how you are on third down if if you're good at finding explosive plays because this team, the Commanders, have had a hard time stopping explosive plays through right. like some of those plays that you saw last week against. New England, we're fine. Like, but this week with these explosive playmakers, they will not be fine, and that'll be twenty-one points. And so the score will be twenty-eight or thirty, just off of those five explosive plays that New England missed, and that this team will hit. So um, I think the one level of solace that I do take in watching them is their offensive line is extremely banged up. Um, they're on like their a Stone Forsyth is their swing tackle. He's been starting the last couple of games. He's hurt. He, he's he's banged up. He's been playing, but he's their swing guy. He's like their Cornelius Lucas, so he probably shouldn't be starting. Uh, Cross has had a regression from last year in terms of pass protection efficiency. I think they're banged up at the guard spots. They've they've kind of had three or four guys playing in there. They've played fine, but again, when you're getting young guys, rookies in there, um, guys with very limited playing experience, they're good football players, but they're obviously not on the same page with a lot of stuff. Uh, watching the Cincinnati game, um, they did a great job, the uh, the Seattle offense, of getting down into the red zone, and then they'd give up two sacks, and then they'd have to kick a field goal. They probably should have won that game based on red zone trips, but they just gave up a ton of sacks, and they weren't very efficient in the red zone. So I think that's kind of what you see with them. They've got this tremendous firepower. They're they're a, they're a powder keg of an offense, but because of some of the protection issues, because of the inefficiency on third down, which is weird to me because you've got good third down players. So I think that's more of a scheme thing. You know, it'd be interesting to talk to Colt about that after he did his breakdown. But yeah. um, that that to me is the difference: is they're they're not good at sustaining drives, but they are good at finding big chunk plays and the other thing that's incredibly important in terms of this analysis is Geno Smith has been turning the football over at a much higher rate than he was last year so like you look at the Baltimore game for example or look at any game this year really in the last probably four games he they should have won decisively but he's throwing two picks he's uh, got a fumble you know he's got a fumble and that they lose and an interception in the red zone and that's something that again in addition to the third down inefficiency if you can maximize those turnovers when he when he throws you the football, catch that son of a gun because they've given they've let teams stay in games that that had no business being in games. Arizona being a prime example. Yeah, uh, Gino on the year nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, um, which is kind of crazy because Sam's got nine, but I guess the the Buffalo game really uh, does, yaks does that he, up. Well, how many fumbles? Uh, he also has a ton of fumbles too. Yeah, I'm trying to find that number right now. That's a, and... that's a hard number to find just on the on the old Google machine because Google goes, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, it says he's only got one and he's lost he had, it, but that's he had two against Baltimore. Right, so I don't know what. Maybe that's as a runner. Um, oh, because it'd be yeah. like a sack fumble thing. I got you. Yeah, um, I, I can't. I don't have a, a fumble stat on ESPN.com <laughs> that I can easily find. So, and I know that number's not right, the one, but yeah. Um, 
point is, yeah, you got to take advantage uh, when there's opportunities because uh, they will give it to you. And, and I think you also just can't fall asleep. You can't be like, oh, we're killing it because you get off the field on third down for four drives in a row. They stink on third down. They're the third worst team in the league. It's thirty less than 32%. It's like 31.7%. Yeah. It's awful yeah. on third down. But that doesn't mean that on the next first or second down, they're not going to hit you for a 70-yarder. And Tyler Lockett's been doing that forever. Um, and one of the matchups that I think is really intriguing is like, if I'm Seattle... I see what AJ Brown did to Forbes, um, and I'm like, how do I get him on the field? How do I get DK matched up on him? And I'm gonna let DK big body him because I don't think that that the kid can stop him. And Forbes was right. awesome last week, but he's doing it against like Tyquan Thornton. Um, Tyquan Thornton, all due respect, is not DK Metcalf. And so <laughs> I think I think if I'm Jack, like I got to figure out how I'm gonna prevent some of the bad matchups and. You know, whether that's I'm mean, hey BSJ like I know you're not the biggest dude in the world uh you know girth wise like he's BSJ is tall um yeah. which is helpful but like I'm you're gonna shadow DK um and it felt like they did that a little bit last week like they they moved BSJ around quite a bit last week yeah they, and they I definitely wonder, get, he, he draws a tough man every week he draws the best receiver which is tough man he's like that's in the slot that's outside but yeah man he's he's had a He's he's got a. I, I don't want to be him if if I'm being honest because he he has tough coverage matchups for sure. He does, but like someone's got to do it, and yeah, and right. he's probably your best. I mean, Kendall, like, could you put Kendall on DK? Maybe, so and maybe that'd be something I was, talking, I was talking about with Fred. Like, who do you want? Where? And he obviously Fred was like, I want St. Juiced on Metcalf, but Tanner was like, I'd prefer you know Kendall because Kendall's got a good feel for kind of you know route depths and you know uh, DK. When you watch him, obviously he's a freak. But he's not the most nuanced route runner. You know, he's kind of like AJ right. Brown in that way. He's a little stiff, doesn't separate great. And so let Kendall kind of match that up, use his his brain to kind of position and get the, then the problem is who's going to match up with Lockett? Because Lockett is kind of the opposite. He's an excellent route runner, great short area quickness, you know. And I think I think um I actually think Forbes kind of like yeah. my concern with Forbes is the bigger receiver. Um yeah. And if you're going to throw balls deep, uh, like obviously Ken Forbes bite on a double move for sure. Um, and that route running savvy, there's a risk there, but his makeup speed and, and like, if you're going to high point the football and make a play on it, uh, Tyler Maybe. Lockett's not the biggest dude. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And then I think the other one is like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Cause you know, like who do you put on him? Like, do you put Danny Johnson in and let St. Juice play outside? Is this, you know, is he the nickel this week and Forbes doesn't play that much or is it Forbes on Lockett? Um, and then, then BSJ. the problem is, yeah, the problem is, does BFJ need to play the slot? And I think um, you'd kind of be wasting him there in terms of matchup. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I mean, that's um, what they did last week, though. Like BSJ was in the slot, decent amount. A lot. Well, that way I mean, their best receiver was in the slot, you know, against right. uh, what was his Douglas or whatever his name was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> number 81 so i think but to your point like their best i think jackson smith and jig was a good player but to me their best receivers are outside so i'm gonna put saint i'm gonna i want saint juiced on one of those guys and does that mean and i'm fuller's gonna be on the field so who plays the slot is it danny johnson he's the backup nick that's kind of what i'm saying is right how do you allocate those resources and if you think fuller can do it are you okay with putting bsj on jackson smith and jigba a guy that is to me like their third option 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. I think that's a, a great question um, and, and a, a interesting uh, thing that Jackson have to figure out. But also to me, like, let's say they do, they go with that route. I would be like, uh, Emmanuel, even when it's zone, you line up over Lockett. Like, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want those cover three situations where you wind up essentially in man coverage one-on-one down the field on DK Metcalf. Like right. I, because that's been the problem, right? Like if Emmanuel's playing on the right side, you just put DK over there in a situation where you think they're going to play cover three and it turns into man-to-man out there, like on a vertical route. And that's been some of the issues. It's like sometimes it's cover one and it, it truly is man-to-man, but sometimes like it's a cover three look and you're just screwed. So like, how do you make sure that you genuinely keep Forbes away from DK or do you just say like the NFL we're gonna have to live with this and hope for better results this time he played great last week maybe his confidence is better if it was me I would find ways to to because I don't want to just play a bunch of man coverage like that's obviously one way around it is to be like yeah we'll we'll man up and just everybody follow their guy wherever they go um but I don't don't know if this I don't think this team is uh is well suited for that so I would I would find ways to make sure that that Forbes is not dealing with DK literally as often as possible. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's going to be interesting is how do you handle the big nickel situation? And, and this is a, obviously, um, yeah, um, uh, Kalik Hudson's been playing a little bit of the big nickel, like, and it's allowed Cam to play a little bit more of the post, but this week with Noah Fant, do you want him down the box and who are you two young? Then you have the two young safeties back there. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that this offense presents in terms of stopping, in terms of personnel. And I think to your point, like if I'm Jack, I'm trying to go a little bit more conservative here from a coverage structure standpoint. I really want them to try and drive the length of the field because they've right. shown that they just are not consistent enough at that to do it. I don't care if that percentage jumps up a little bit if they're in that 40% range, but I'm, I don't what I really don't want is explosive plays. And it's one of our favorite statistics, but you know, we get those explosive plays, the likelihood of scoring goes from 5% to 55% or whatever it is. So um, that's kind of how they've lived through the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. So I'm going to be like, Hey, let's get like deep cover two. And then the problem there is you don't have Cody Barton anymore. Who's been pretty good as a Tampa two player in terms of feeling out where to match and how to do stuff. So do you feel comfortable with Jamin? You're, doing also, that? you're also lighter in the box. Like, because yeah. that's the other solution is like, okay, well, how do you eliminate the cover three situations? You don't play cover three, you play a bunch of cover two. Okay, well, then you got a too high look in the box is a little bit lighter every step. Yeah. So that's not exactly ideal either. It's tough. And I and I think like to your point, they've got those two young running backs are excellent. And their offensive line, while not great, they've got some big hosses in there, man. Guys that are explosive and like people moving style of offensive linemen. Very very unique to Seattle. They always seem to find guys like that. So they can run versus light boxes and kind of move people off the spot in a way that is very unique to them. It's not always the prettiest. It's like kind of messy. Combinations aren't always clean. But gosh, they got some big hosses in there that can move people off the football. So you you have to negotiate that. And that's one of the problems about playing an offense with explosive pieces is you got, well, I think we listed off one, two, three, four, five. It's like six people that are explosive playmakers. 
how do we allocate resources to cover these guys? And so, and that's not even getting to like some of the technical stuff they do, like from a keeper standpoint, like those things put defensive ends in blenders. They make it hard for the linebackers and you've got fast guys running to spots. It's, it's going to be a challenge this week, but I think if I'm Jack, I would err towards being a little bit more conservative, keep everything in front of you, tell Percy to get back. You know, don't let that post over the top get you this week. We can't miss it the first time like we did against Atlanta. We can't miss it like we did against New England. Let's skip back in coverage there and be smart and play a play a conservative brand of football. And I know that's not the sexiest thing of all time, but I want I want Seattle to show me that Geno Smith can go the length of the field on an eleven play drive and not turn the football over and not go three and out. So yeah. I think that's what I would do. I mean, the other alternative uh, is kind of swinging all the way the other way. Maybe you, you know, they'll probably do a little bit of both. I would say probably lean more towards what you just said, right? But if you if you blitz him like yeah. hard, you get the ball out quickly because he's got to get the ball out quickly. You obviously risk then the catch and run explosive play. Um, but can you make Gino make decisions quicker than he wants to, and will he throw you one? Like I, I do think in select situations point. you should probably do some of that. Um, and then I think the pass rush is going to be an interesting thing this week too. Um, they do a lot with motion and they try to give Gino a lot of answers before the test, which means, or before you take the test. And you know, that means you got a lot of shifting fronts and different things, but you mentioned the keeper game, the discipline becomes really important. Um, but they do all this stuff that you have to be aware of. And we talked earlier with, with the commanders, uh, uh, offensive line, like one of the things they've done to help them is doing a lot more stuff to break the rhythm of the pass rush. And I think Seattle does a good job of that. Yeah. And so can like last week is it, like, throw it out. Like don't, I, everyone's like, ah, oh, now they traded the two pass rushers and they don't have any pass rush. Ah, and it's like, ah, Mac Jones gets rid of the ball. The only thing yeah. he does as well is he gets rid of the ball quickly. Doesn't go to anywhere in particular often, <laughs> right. but he does get it out of his hand this week. Gino will hold it. He will try to make a play. Can you get home? And when you get home, can you sack fumble? Like, can you make a play? Like this could be a huge right. Deron Payne type of game where he has one of those impact plays that you're like, oh, that's why we paid that guy all this money. And he's had a couple this year. He hasn't yeah. been as consistent, but like he still has a knack for making the big one. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of some of the things that I'm looking for, for sure, on that side of the ball as well. I totally agree. I think, um, you know, like like I said, when you look at the Cincinnati game, for example, that they got home with the four-man rush quite a bit, and those guys did a great job of, in critical situations, uh, low red zone, third down, of maybe they're not getting sacks, but they're getting pressures, they're getting them off the spot, they're forcing air and throws or batting passes down. And so it wasn't like a super consistent pressure, but in the big moments, they were able to get it done. And I think that's also kind of reflective of how Shane Waldron calls games. You know, they get in these third and longer situations. It's a very, it's very drop back heavy. They get in second and 10 in the red zone. It's drop back heavy. And I felt like um, Cincinnati was able to kind of key in on that rhythm and then make plays when they had to. So um, big game, obviously, for that defensive line. Big game for Jack, too. You know, kind of a lot of problems to solve here. And I think the pressure thing is interesting. I like that a lot. Can you bring a little bit of five-man pressure, zone pressures? Can you just disrupt this group? That, Like I said, the offensive line for them, they've got some talented people, but you know they're not playing really well together because there's a lot of new pieces kind of coming in and out. So can you maximize that? And right. um, I'm really, again, this is one of those things where you're, you're curious to see how Sam does offensively in terms of managing what they do and managing the noise. And can he continue to build on last week's performance? And then it kind of comes to Jack and getting these guys ready to play a, a pretty good offense, pretty explosive offense. And um, if they can figure it out and find a good solution, uh, I think they can win this football game, but it's going to be a big lift for sure. Yeah, people have asked me all week, like, what do you what do you expect? And I expect them to compete. 
Um, yeah. we'll see, we'll see what that turns into, but I do expect them to go out there and compete. Um, and you know, I also don't know what to expect from Seattle. Like, are they, are they wounded and, and like fatally flawed now after Baltimore kicked their ass or are they angry and ready to come back and play a great game at home yeah. after getting their butts kicked and, and they're, you know, the, the well, bounce you, back is real. You said this the other day, man, like Baltimore is like maybe the best team in football right now. Offensive, yeah. defense, special teams, they can run the ball. They got a good quarterback. So I think that might be an anomaly compared to what I've seen from the rest of the year. So I, th- I still think they're a good sure. team despite that loss to Baltimore. Right, but like how to emotionally, how yeah. to handle it? Like, I get what you're if, you know, is there is there a letdown, and then they're like, ah, oh, oh man, all right, well at least we have Washington. Like we'll just walk in there and beat them, and we'll be <laughs> fine. Or are they like, no, we're pissed, and we're about to go destroy these dudes, and uh, right. you know, that obviously is going to have a big, big impact on the game as well we'll be talking about it more on sunday take a man pregame show we'll be live at tap sports bar mgm national harbor you can truly come hang out with us the entire show because we start at 1 p.m uh come watch the games come hang out uh listen to to us breaking down the game hope to see you there come say hi as always when i tell you to come say hi please do it in a commercial break when you talk just when we're on the air it doesn't really work that well Uh, but we'd love to see you and say what's up uh in between us talking uh and then we'll be back for the post game show on youtube late on sunday night for logan i'm craig see y'all on the radio until then thanks for watching and listening to take command